0: In the new world, this kind of basic understanding, this law of sex physics, well, it's begun to take a back seat to a different law. For the sake of this pod, I'll call that law the law of equality physics. Hello and welcome to Why Are We Talking About Rabbits? That's this weekly podcast from First Things Foundation. I'm John Hears. And together, we walk through history, philosophy, and theology, and we try to figure out what in the heck's going on. It's like we're stuck in a matrix, because we are. And on this show, we just try to figure out, you know, what kind of matrix are we in? So maybe we can get loose. And we do that by bringing in some old world experiences that we acquire while doing the work we do and the work I have done. And international aid and really I think it's called relation building. That's what we do at First Things. This is Wattar. You're listening to episode Andrew is our producer. Andrew, what episode is this? This is a lot of episodes. We're one year in and we are growing. This is called Men Holding Hands. This is a discussion about affection on Wattar. Yeah, so Affection is a thing. It's a human thing. I'm going to probably want you to believe what I'm saying about it being human and divine. There's definitely a connection there. What type of affection do we want to talk about? I want to talk about holding hands, but in particular doing some research. I just want to share a couple of really interesting things with you. First of all, kissing, which is a form of affection. The breath of life, or the kiss of life. Did you know that up until the 1800s that that was the kiss given at the altar in most Protestant weddings, Western Christian weddings? That's very interesting. Do you know what it was? It was basically CPR, but like from about two inches away, a form of affection practiced by lots of people. It's interesting. The kiss of peace. That's was how it got translated in the West. The kiss of peace in the East was always that kiss you see cheek to cheek. Done a little differently in old Byzantium. But the cheek to cheek is a type of kiss. We're going to talk about that. It's a greeting. And that greeting is really interesting because it's like you are kissing an icon. Because, drumroll, you are the icon the image of god you is you is what you're kissing french people did you guys see my jersey today i'm wearing a french national soccer jersey but i would never say soccer in france football pourquoi pas yeah i'm telling you this is a, well i get criticized for saying interesting but it is So I remember the first time that I had sort of an affection moment when I was uh, serving in West Africa in Mali, the Sahelian country of Mali, a very Muslim country. I was holding hands with a man named Bakari. And I'm not talking like touched hands or brushed hands. I'm talking like intertwined fingers walking around the village in Mali, holding hands with the guy that was all cut up, uh, he was like 40, and he looked like he was like 20. This guy was like a beast out in the field. I love Bacher. He had one eye. He lost it in a childhood tree-climbing accident. He used to like kind of half-recreate it for me when we were hanging out. He be like, well, I'm going to show you what happened to me, and he would climb a tree like right then at 40, Bakri saved me on many occasions, and now he was holding my hand walking through the village, which was super uncomfortable because I didn't know what he was saying. This was on my very first day. And basically, I felt like he was introducing me as his lover because I'm a new world light person. Light person here being someone of the enlightenment, and I was not comfortable with that. But it's funny, right? Because why was I uncomfortable? I don't think Bakri was attracted to me. I didn't get that sense but my hand actually touching his not cool man stuff. but it's funny because that happened in also in senegal when i went it happened in dubai when i was flying through there it happened in ethiopia it happened in mozambique it happens in the georgian republic it happens in all these places where we work in guatemala not so much light people a lot of influence there But where there's not a big light people influence, you see a lot. I mean, think of the Balkans. Yikes, those dudes are kissing on the lips. Right? You got all those Slav big man kisses. Affection between men in the old world is just different. New worlders really don't touch as much. Hmm. This is a heavy topic. But it's also kind of built in for a lot of light stuff. But I'm probably going to be accused of being homophobic. But here's the thing. It's not like that at all. I don't even think I even mentioned in this little presentation today homosexuality. Because it's not really relevant. Let me try to explain how. There is a male affection divide. And to understand, I think we need to understand sex. I'm talking like the idea of having it, not of being asex. In places where we work, at first things, the old world sex, like getting busy. Well, it's really a pretty simple concept. Sex is what happens when you meet when you leave men and women alone in a room. Now, not every time, but think of like a culture. Think of like a uh, petri dish. If you just leave a man and a woman alone long enough in there, they're gonna bloop. Get busy, right? It's like what happens when you put them in a room together. Let's call it the room experiment. Sex is the outcome of intimacy. That's just how the old world thinks of it for better or worse. Just what happens, right? It's sex physics. I'm going to call it the law of sex physics. The law of sex physics. It's an old world law. Challenging this law of sex physics is seen as a sort of, uh, I don't know, it's like challenging gravity. You can, you can do it. It's kind of dumb to challenge gravity. Like don't jump off that, oh, that building. So if you let that idea percolate for a minute, you'll understand most of the world, most of the old world in a heartbeat. Hmm. It's like a law of physics called the law of sex physics. Oh, that explains why there's no women at the cool hookah bar in Dubai. Uh That helps me understand why I went to that Ethiopian music joint and I was dancing with men because there were no women there. Well, there were a few. Let's say it's pretty obvious what they were doing there. Baby showers in Georgia? Yeah, that's just women. There's no men there. We went to an Indian Orthodox church every now and then to visit in the Bronx. All the women were on one side, the men on the other. In fact, go to a Russian church, old school Russian church, Rokor. Same. Old Russia, men over there, women over there. These kind of cultures, they have understood and have imbibed the law of sex physics. They know it to be real. Now, most of you get this. You kind of know that, yes, men and women left alone, they're going to grow ripe and they're going to pucker up and they're going to get busy and that's going to happen. I mean, any parent knows this about their sons and daughters. That's why dads freak out when their kid's in the basement for
1: too long. It's not rocket science. Hey, everybody. This is Andrew from First Things Foundation. I'm one of the editors for Wattar. And first, I'd just like to give a great big shout out to all of our subscribers out there. Your support makes all of this possible. Also, this is an invitation for all of you to become monthly donors to First Things Foundation. Why? Because it gives you, well, it gives you warm, fuzzy feelings on the inside. But also, you gain access to our pod course hosted by John Hears, which takes a deep dive into a lot of the themes that we talk about on the podcast, but maybe you want to know more about. We've had two semesters already. This upcoming semester in the winter will be about critical race theory and some of the issues surrounding it and also how it relates to the past. So if all of this sounds interesting to you and you want to support a really great cause, become a monthly donor to First Things Foundation. You can find more about that at our website, www.first-things.org. We can't wait to see you in the class. Thank you so much. Now back to John.
0: So, stuff happens when you leave a man and a woman together in that Petri dish called, I don't know, intimate space. So, in the new world, this kind of basic understanding, this law of sex physics, well, it's begun to take a back seat to a different law. For the sake of this pot, I'll call that law the law of equality physics. And that law among the most important laws in the world right now, it's the law, the great law of the light people. Light people believe in the law of equality physics. You can find allusions to this law in documents rolling around during the Glorious Revolution all the way back to 1688. You can go back further to the Magna Carta if you want, 1215 A.D., you see the beginnings of this law of equality physics. The revolution embedded within their legal code, this glorious revolution of 1688 in England, a series of liberties that became known as the rights of Englishmen, which would later be used by American revolutionaries to argue for the bill of rights found in our light people constitution. These ideas would then be used by some wilding Frenchman, Bonjour, during the French Revolution circa 1792. A revolution that had as its slogan Liberté, Egalité, Fraternité. And Egalité, of course, being equality. The law of equality. And well, you can find this concept gain steam throughout the 19th century and really take off as we entered the 20th century if you take a peek at the Bolshevik Revolution 1917. I mean, that whole revolution was purportedly anyway all about that big giant slab of equalness, right? Called egalite, the law of equality physics. Equality is the thing right now. And now it finds itself facing off against the law of sex physics. Yep. The old world law that super segregated women and men for want of, well, unwanted babies and all kinds of other things, which we can get into, that law, yeah, that law is not exactly winning the day in light people countries. So. What does that mean for men holding hands? Well, I think it works like this. I think. You see, affection happens. Affection is the most human of all human natures. I'll tell you what I mean. Affection is so human that it's divine. The divine human. The human divine. The God-man. The man-God. Right? In the Orthodox East, we understand this as... Right, the union of God and man in the incarnation, that thing, whether or not it exists, you call it Christian or not, but that thing as expressed in that union, that divine nature, that thing is filled with the notion of affection. Affection is the reason we exist. Love in this tradition is the reason we exist. The old world understands love and God as sort of creating out of love out of his generous and affectionate being. His love in the old world, at least in the old East in Christian tradition, his love is the dross of his being. And that dross, that overflow is creation. Trees exist because God is love. Creation I don't know. A whale exists because God is love. My hair exists, what's left of it, because God is love. Right? It's the outcome of the relationship of the love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's that beer foam that just can't be contained. That's us. So to be affected, affection to be affected, to have affection be a part of your life, that is to, in fact, approach the doorway into the divine. That is the divine in you. Affection. It's what God is. Yeah. So we will affect, we will be affection and we will have it. We will not ever stop doing that. We just will. We must. It's our nature. But if the law of sex physics is real, and I don't know, maybe it's not real. It's just an old world idea. But if the law of sex physics is real, right, and social life needs to be segregated so as to honor this reality, the sex physics reality. So you got to segregate it a little bit, if not even a lot. This is old world thinking. How shall those old worlders then ever show affection? How shall they be human? How were the old worlders meant to do the most human of all human things? Show affection. Voila. Voila, the men holding the hands. Men holding hands. In a segregated society where men hung out with men a ton, men hold hands. Listen to an Arab scholar, Musa Shutawi from the University of Jordan. Arab culture has historically been segregated, so emotions and feelings are channeled to the same sex. He goes on, quote, men spend a lot of time together in our country, and these customs grew out of that. Here's an article from African Digest, quoting a writer in the paper called The Male and Guardian. This writer says, quote, Men holding hands was not just something that we do, or even something that we did. Women also walked hand in hand, and at times clung to each other as they walked, speaking of his African his, his, his peers, his people. Quote, it was a demonstration of closeness, friendship, and trust that symbolized so many things that cannot be put into words. It was so natural for a man to hold another man's hand that we were not even aware we were doing it. And then the writer curiously adds in the African Digest, But we have lost it now. Hmm. We have lost it now. They've lost some same-sex affection. The writer goes on to say that in West Africa, they are losing this type of affection because they are losing their culture. And then he goes on to say to the new world, the new world culture is becoming the dominant culture. The law of equality is taking over for the law of sex physics. But why would the law of equality, why would the new world be a threat? to same-sex displays of affection. Why would the new world ideal of equality threaten same-sex displays of affection? It seems it might not follow. Seems a little weird. And the answer, I think, is found in the word mingle. It seems that once you adopt the law of equality physics, you must intermingle males and females. Because equality, like a golf course filled with dudes, they're doing a lot of business. They are fact. Light people love to do business at golf courses. Then in order to be equal and give equal access to women so that they might also make big decisions, you got to intermingle them. It's logical. Well, intermingling males and females in Pretty much every societal institution, schools and churches and ball teams and, well, golf courses, well, guess what? You do something very interesting to the law of sex physics. You ignore it in, that, in order that you might push it underground because it ain't going away. You seemingly get rid of it, but only seemingly, I think. Here's what I mean. Fewer and fewer young people are having sex these days. Mm -hmm. In an article in The Atlantic, Kate Julian writes, sex, quote, is portrayed often graphically and sometimes gorgeously on primetime cable. Sexting is, statistically speaking, normal. Polyamory is a household word. Shame-laden terms like perversion have given way to cheerful-sounding ones like kink. However, she continues, from 1991 to 2017, even as sexual norms spoken aloud into the public became regular, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, they tell us that, quote, the percentage of high school students who'd had intercourse dropped from 54% to 40%. In other words, Kate, Julian writes, "The space, in the space of a generation, sex has gone from something most high school students had done to something most had not. Mm. Fewer people in the era of equality are having intercourse. Because, it seems, fewer people can figure out the right place to actually generously and unambiguously discharge the first law of human divine nature, the law of showing affection. Where can we do this? Where can we show our affection in an intermingled, highly egalitarian society? Can we show deep and authentic affection to our boss? Try that out. Or worse, try showing deep and intimate bodily affection to your newly hired intern. (laughs) Good luck. Can we show affection to our pal in a room of mixed gender 20-somethings? Like at a party? Can I just pretty much... Cheek kiss that guy? Yeah, if we do, it's understood as sexual. But isn't it really just a show of authentic affection? You see, what I'm trying to say is, is that if all of us are seen as the same somehow, egalitarian or equal, then none of our affections can be seen as unique. And here, unique means sexual. Our affections are either all sexual in such a state, and under the law of se- of eco- equality physics, either all of our affections are sexual, or all of them are neutral. And in that world, a world without the law of sex physics, because those you can't keep catering to that in an intermingled world. In that world, without the law of sex physics you're going to have either a lot of non-affectionate sex or a lot of non-sexual relationships. Non-affectionate sex, of course, is just turned into porn. We're getting both. Because the law of sexual physics is not going away anytime soon. Sorry. When the law of equality physics is asserted as the social norm, then the law of sex physics goes underground. I mean, the goal is to appear in public as a respecter of the law of equality, but yet, the law of sex physics, it's not going anywhere. It follows you around. In the old world, they just gave up on the law of equality, and man, does it show up in ways that really mar the human image? Slavery being a number one issue there. But today we've asserted the law of equality as the norm, and that has not come without a serious price to pay. And I think it has something to do with losing our ability to be affectionate in the most pure sense. And I wonder if that's not the thing that's at the core of what's going on in terms of the West and its disquieted nature. Where do we show affection? To whom? How many of you men out there haven't seen something really glorious? You've been walking and you see just a young boy who's just doing something so cool. Maybe walking at a mall, or I mean, nobody does that anymore. But I'm thinking of a time way back when this kid was walking on one of those like little partition walls that like separate like the food court from something. He's way up there and he's walking and it's awesome. He's about to fall and I go to grab him and I grabbed him, and I thought. These people are going to think I'm some sort of freak, like sex freak. Why is that the first thought in my mind? Why can't that affection for that young boy who I really wanted to just swallow up and say, dude, I love this. You're risking this. Risk it. And then he fell and we hugged it out. Why is my true and authentic hope for affection right there? Why is it followed immediately with the thought? Or do they think I'm a molester? Uh, You talk about dysfunctional thought But right now people are out there going Yeah, yeah, I've had that thought I've had the thought that someone's going to think I'm a molester It's bad Affection We should have serious, authentic affection That's what God has That's why we exist So, grab a man's hand Do it, do it guys Ladies, walk hip to hip, arm to arm And let it rip Let's all establish again some affection. Give that kiss of peace. You know, in the old world, they knew that kiss of peace very well. You can see icons in the Orthodox East. St. Paul. I'll just say in the Orthodox world, because it's all over now, these days. St. Paul exhorted people in more than one letter, greet one another with a holy kiss, and don't be ashamed, and don't think that you're trying to hit on somebody's wife. Ridiculous. Lord. Offer a kiss of love, he says, more than once. I mean, you guys know that the kiss of peace, what Paul's talking about, is what happens when you land in France. Bonjour, tu l'aimes qui parle français. You know, that's what happens when you land in France, pretty much anywhere else in Europe. The kissing on the cheek thing, that's St. Paul. That's where it comes from, the ancient kiss of peace, the notion that to greet someone is to greet God in them. To kiss the cheek is to kiss the icon. That's what is happening. Just nobody knows it because all these actions have become tampered down. I think it's something the old world can teach us. But you got to watch out, right? Because the old world did other things with that law of sex physics. And maybe that's the next part, which is the law of sex, sex physics ends Kind of cruelly in some profound segregation that may have actually marred the image of human beings in a different way and in a way that, shall we say, mm, was not pleasing to the great God. And that leads me to Gagi Marjos. Gagi Marjos, to you, that means to you the victory. That's what we say often at the KP table, sometimes called a supra. First Things Foundation was founded around one of these tables, and we celebrate it to this day, even as we send Kevin Cullen to Georgia to work at a new site where he's trying to participate and serve those in that very forgotten community there in the south of Georgia, in the Caucasus, those people there who want to do something amazing but just need some help. That's what we do. Check us out. Click on this and say we like it. Click on our new Facebook group. Why are we talking about more rabbits? And join. Join our new giving crew. That's folks who offer a little change each month to help keep our incredible field workers eating, sleeping, and serving on four continents. Join us at our new Greenville restaurant, which will be opening right around the holidays. We call it Capey. Surprise, surprise. I know. We wear that word out, don't we? But what else are we going to call it? We're going to call it like Riley's Restaurant? No. The First Things Foundation Experience? Sounds like an amusement park ride. No. We call it Capey. Eat, drink, toast. Join us in Greenville one day. Join us in Greenville for a lot of cool stuff coming up. But most of all, thank you for tuning in. We love you. This is First Things Foundation. This is Wattar. Au revoir.